You're listening to the 12th Man Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of Match Review Monday. If this is your first time listening to us, we ask that you please refer to our latest episode of the latest news in the football world. In today's episode, we are going to be covering all weekend fixtures uh, that happened throughout Europe, but most importantly were the derbies. We had one in England, we had one in Spain, we had one in Germany. Uh, we had Atletico Madrid facing the Real Dial Madrid, and we had the Red Devils facing the City Boys in England. We had the Dutch Classic in Germany, Borussia Dortmund versus Bayern Munich, and uh, many more important fixtures that... Um, um, set aside were not classics but still exciting we cover that and more uh we ask that you please uh follow us on instagram if you haven't done so yet uh we are the 12th man podcast um you can keep up with us there for the latest content and without further ado ladies and gentlemen this is the 12th man podcast hello Hello, everyone. Welcome to another new episode of the 12th Man Podcast. I am your esteemed host, as always, Efren Perez. And today I am joined by a special match review Monday with Henry the Banter Man. Hello, Henry. How are you? Ready to banter around, son. Yeah, I think you're about to get bantered today after the weekend uh, you just had. But... <laughs> but we. We also have a returning someone here, the emotional one, Kevin. Hello, Kevin. How are you? Emotional. Mm. Yes, you are emotional. You are very emotional. Mm-hmm. Next. <laughs> Next. <laughs> but anyway, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to do another edition of Match Review Monday. Another exciting uh, weekend just happened. Three derbies just happened over the weekend. The Manchester Derby, the Madrid Derby, and the Classic, the German Classico. And we are going to go over them for you. And the first one we're going to go over is the Manchester Derby between Manchester City and Man United. This match ended 2-0-2. Man United. A penalty from Bruno Fernandes in the second minute. And a 50th minute goal from Luke Shaw ending the game 2-0 for Man United. And man, just let me tell you the stats behind the, this game. Uh, Manchester City had a whopping 23 shots compared to United's 8. While City had 6 shots on target. Uh, just like uh, Man United had also 6 shots on target. But the possession always goes to Man City. 66% possession to Man United's 34 and, man, let me tell you, this was a game for United. Uh, one of their best performances this season. Well, City, man, they really dropped the ball in this one against their rivals, especially at home. And some of uh, the stats after this game were pretty uh, pretty unreal. Manchester City were unbeaten for the first time since November 2020, ending a 20-game unbeaten run under Pep Guardiola's side and also ending a 21-match winning streak. And Man United have won their three consecutive away games in all competitions against Manchester City for the first time between 1993 and 2000. And, man, it was a game. With uh, Henry and Kevin here, we're going to review it. And the first one, the first question I want to ask you guys is, how would you guys say United's style of play was? Was it good? Was it bad? Exceptional? Kevin, let's start off with you. How would you say United's uh, style of play was in this game? It was good. I mean, it got them the win. All the sometimes, like all these uh, stats, don't show uh, the. They they don't show like who wins who ultimately wins the game. I mean, sure you can have possession of the ball the entire time, but it ain't gonna win you the game. You know, sure you can have all these shots on goal, but if they're not going in, doesn't mean anything. You know, so um, it was good. It was good. I mean, the 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 takeaway from this is that they won, and no matter how they did it, they did it. You know, something that wasn't expected for them to do, and they were able to achieve it. So, I mean, regardless of how they played or how they didn't play or how the plan was, it, you know, it came out a different result. I mean, this is what I was expecting, you know, to United to do to turn it up against Man City. And they brought they they brought it. They brought it against their rivals. And I think maybe Manchester City underestimated them in that uh, perspective. So 
Congratulations to Man U for that win. Henry, how would you say Man United style play was? I would have to disagree with Kevin saying that they underestimated them. I don't think they underestimated them. It's just that uh, United came with a good game plan. Um, they defended very well um, and knew how to uh, counterattack extremely, extremely well. Um, yeah, I think uh, City made um, some bad choices as far as lineups go. Um he should have, uh, you know, Pep should have started, you know, uh, Kyle Walker and Jock Ancelo, but he put in a Zinjenko in instead, and I think that was a a mistake. Um, he seemed to have changed tactics for some reason for this game, and that's I think that's one of the problems that uh, Pep has had um, over the years is that uh, first for some reason instead of you know uh, keeping keeping the lineup that he's had and the kind of the, the, the tactics that he's had. I mean, he's, lately he's been playing a, a 4-3-3. And for this game, he com- he completely changed it up. You know, he he uh, played a, I want to see here, a, one sec, sorry, a 4-2-3-1, you know, and I think that was a mistake. He should have kept with his 4-3-3, which had been working. It's what got him all these wins. And I think that's that's where uh, he makes a mistake a lot of time. I feel like sometimes he overthinks certain games when he should just keep with what he was what, what, what was working already. He's had that problem in Champions League. That's why I feel like sometimes that's why I feel like in the past couple of years with City, every time he he plays in those Champions League knockouts for some reason he'll change up the tactic even though it's working. So in this game, yeah, he he changed the tactic up, and for me that was a mistake. He should have kept with his four three three. Um, but you know, I mean, United, and like I said, like I said in the previous podcast, for some reason they always turn it up when they play away to City. And uh, I, 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 my prediction was that City would win. But I mean, he made the but Guardiola made the mistake of changing up the tactic, and uh, and United uh, played very well defensively. They played extremely well, and uh, offensively, as far as uh, counterattacks, they played even better. So, good game. So you would agree that uh, City was disappointing in this game? Yeah, I mean they had a they had a lot of uh, chances to score. They, they just didn't want to go in, um, and then they took out Joao Cancelo and put in uh, Kyle Walker when those two should have started together anyway. You know, so I, it's just those you know little mistakes. I feel that he made. I feel like Phil Foden maybe should have started the game. You kind of when he came into the game, you kind of saw a little difference um, in City. So it was just um, tactically he got he, he read the game wrong. So and that happens and unfortunately it happened against United. I think he would have rather have lost all those other games and not this one. But unfortunately he lost this one. Yeah, how would you uh, agree with that assessment, uh, Kevin? Do you think uh, City was disappointing in this game against United? Yeah, for someone that's uh, that has been predicted to win the Champions League. This season, it very disappointing, very disappointing display. I mean, this is something that Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, I expected from them. You know, I expected them to come out this way against uh, Manchester City. I mean, Manchester City, they're you know they're human. They're not they're not gods. You know, they they haven't won anything impressive. You know, they haven't won three Champions League in a row. You know, that's. At the end of the day, they're like every other team, you know. And I and if you go in, that's what I kept saying in the last episode that I was in uh, when we were reviewing that match of, against Manchester City and Borussia Mönchengladbach. I was expecting these small teams to come and play these big teams like nothing happened, you know. Like it's it's a leveled playing field when you go up against these big teams. There's no you don't know who's gonna win it. And um, I think if you go in with that mindset, you're going to be fine. Um, and regardless of how Manchester City, Manchester United have dropped the ball on, on the Premier League and, you know, are very far behind Manchester City, that they've displayed the, a lot of good um, things, uh, lead, you know, leading up to this match. You know, they're second place. Um People give Ollie a lot of shit, but at least he's got him in a second. At least he beat Manchester City, Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, and, you know, spoiled the party of the unbeaten run. But, yeah, I think uh, you got to go in with the right attitude, and I think Manchester United just had a better attitude 
about it. Well, the question I wanted to ask both of you is, is the Premier League back on? Because as it currently stands in the table, United and City are just separated by only 11 points. Is the Premier League back on? <laughs> no, it's a long way to go. There's a long way to go. But, I mean... Uh, City seems to be doing good. I think I think they have that one pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, there's... It's a big gap, so... No, it's uh, it's gonna take a lot more than this win. But I mean, like Henry said, you know, I think Pep would have preferred to have lost any other game except this one. So I mean, it's a win for United. Well, City do still have a chance of uh, bringing that gap back to fourteen points. Uh, they do have a game midweek this week against Southampton. And right now, Southampton are in 14th place, and they've only won one out of the last five games. And, I mean, they City have a chance of uh, bringing that gap back to 14 if they win midweek. But uh, I'm going to agree with you guys. Uh, City, from what I saw in that match against United, they were – what I saw was overthinking. There was, there was a lot of uh, times where they were just, instead of just trying to shoot, they would just try to always look for a pass, which for me was disappointing from City. United played really well. They were really clinical, especially on the counterattack. Luke Shaw played an exceptional game. He really had a Cancelo in his pocket, and as well as Riyad Mahrez at one point. And Luke Shaw really played an exceptional game. So did Bruno Fernandes, of course. But it was a really good game. Uh, the defense at United played really well. And what what impressed me about United was the risk Ole Gunnar took. Instead of starting De Gea, he started Dean Henderson, the young English goalkeeper who last season was on loan at Sheffield United. And you can just see how Sheffield United are struggling without him, even though he's just a young goalkeeper. He played really impressive. Um, I think uh, I don't, I'm not quite sure if this is his first start in the Premier League, but if it if it is, what what a great startup for him. He, I know he has been playing the Europa League for some time, some cup games as well. But Dean Henderson really played an exceptional match against City, also keeping a clean sheet. I mean, Kevin, how would you say Dean Henderson's performance against City was? I like that uh, Ali took that um, brisk and started him instead of De Gea. I mean, at some point you got to switch up. Um, if if something's not working for you, you got to switch up. You got to switch it up. And this was the opportunity for him to really show, like, I'm better. You know, I can handle it. Under I can handle the pressure. I can keep a clean sheet. I can work with my defenders. And I think he got the best out of the defense. I mean, Luke Shaw was looking like Roberto Carlos in his prime. You know, <laughs> like. He's playing yeah. really well. He played he played a really good game, and I think that comes with uh, – I mean, the the defenders are always going to play better when they know they got a good um, keeper behind them. You know, um, you see you see like the – kind of like the the motivation change. You see the motivation change within the, the players when they got someone uh, that when they got, when they're playing with somebody that they want to play with, you know, I think the has time has been over at United and this was the, this was the game I, that re- I think is going to seal the deal for Dean Henderson to take the ranks and um, take over that number one position for United. And uh, from what he displayed yesterday, I think he deserves it. Yeah. And from what I'm looking at, at him, he has started five times in the Premier League, including the one against Manchester City, twice in the Europa League, four in, in the League Cup and once in the Champions League. And he's really making a point that he should be starting more and we'll have to see. But we're going to move on from the Manchester Derby, everyone, just to let you know, United beat City 2-0, an exciting win for United. Uh, really gives them confidence, and we are actually going to move on to just, just one more thing, friend. Before we go, at the end of the day, what matters is who wins that premier. Well, that it is true, <laughs> but I mean, City lost the game that they wish they didn't lose, but United uh, really played an exceptional game. And quickly, everyone, we're going to move over. We're going to review the the couple of uh, Premier League matches we're going to go over, and the first one is. Liverpool versus Fulham. This match ended 1-0 to Fulham. 
Uh, Liverpool still cannot win in Anfield since the start of 2021. And man, what a disappointing result from Liverpool. I mean, some of the stats involving this game, 16 shots for Liverpool compared to Fulham's 10. While both of them were even on shots on target, both of them three. Uh, 64% possession for Liverpool compared to Fulham's 36% possession. But um, Diego Jota for Liverpool did return from injury, but cannot break that duck yet. Uh, Liverpool lose 1-0, and man, this is just a disappointing result for Liverpool. This puts them in the table eighth place, and it is very disappointing. Right now, they are currently five points away from fifth place West Ham, and they are seven points behind fourth place Chelsea, which is not looking good. Tottenham, they just recently uh, won their game against Crystal Palace 4-1, both uh, we had two braces in that match from Gareth Bell and Harry Kane. And now Tottenham are on top of Liverpool. And, man, it's not looking good for Liverpool. They've only won one of their last five matches so far, and they still have not won a game at Anfield. Uh, pretty disappointing. Uh, Henry, your quick thoughts on the Liverpool versus Fulham game. Oh, man, you know, just disappointing again um, for Liverpool. You know, it just adds on to uh, their disappointing season that they're having. Um, it's unfortunate, man. I, feel, I actually do feel uh, – very bad for them. They've had a lot of injuries this season, personal stuff going on. Um, and uh, even even though they got Jota back, it, it's still, I think it's a little too late for him to even make, you know, a really big difference or an impact. Um, and it's just all around bad season for them. Um, and it's unfortunate, especially against uh, Fulham and at home. Uh, Fulham obviously haven't had the, the best season either. Um, but, I mean, they went out there and you know, take advantage of the fact that Liverpool aren't, you know, doing so well and got the win. So good for them. Um, unfortunate for Liverpool again, I said, I think they um, think they really want this season to end. This has been a nightmare season for them. I mean, they're the defending champions and you, you just don't see it. They're now in uh, eighth place. You know, they got Tottenham who now jumped them. Um, Everton obviously still already, already jumped them, you know, so they're, it looks like, they might not even qualify for Champions League this season, so it's uh, it's it's very uh, sad for Liverpool, and uh, hopefully they they can turn it around at least to to try to get into the Champions League. But it seems a little bit difficult at the moment. I mean, they even have Aston Villa now on their tails, so it's just been a very uh, very tough season for them. Um, hopefully next season they'll bounce back. Yeah, and that win for Fulham actually gives them a chance to get out of the relegation zone. Right now, they are tied with points with Brighton. Fulham are in 18th place, uh, just on top of 19th place West Brom, and 20th place or last place Sheffield United. But, Kevin, your your thoughts on the Liverpool versus Fulham game? It's a classic uh, display of kick them when they're down. You know, Fulham know how much Liverpool have been struggling this season in the Premier League. So um, they took advantage of it. Um, you know, and it's, and it was, a whoever won that game, I mean, you know, it was, I was going to be happy with the result. Fulham are a great team and they're struggling to get out of regulation zone. So congratulations for them for keeping the fight going, you know, but sad news for Liverpool, you know, it does seem like they just wish like this season would just end already. It's just been a freaking nightmare with all the injuries, with all the personal issues and, you know, all the bullshit going on. Um, so much bullshit that um, that we see going on, like, uh, you know, as fans, but in the locker room, you know, we have no idea what's going on there. So much that Georgian Club came out uh, in a press conference and said, look, if you don't if you don't want to be here because we're not playing Champions League, then I don't want you here. Like you can get the fuck out, basically, you know. <laughs> so, you know, that's just what. We're, you know, we just see this. We're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. You know, who knows how bad it really is in Liverpool right now. Um, but best case, you know, the best thing that they can do is just do like a cleanup, get get rid of some players, bring in new players. Jota was a good example of that. You know, Georgian club is really good at selecting who he wants and who he doesn't want in his squads. And Jota is a good example of that. You know, he brought him in and unfortunately, you know, he couldn't have a, a big enough impact to beat Fulham, but, you know, give him credit, you know, give him, give him props. You know, he's coming back from an injury. So, you know, slowly we're going to see maybe Jota 
pick Liverpool back up and, you know, hopefully throw the team on his shoulder and become that player for them for the, for the end of the season that helps them at least get a spot in the champions league. I mean, fuck, fuck the league. You know, we already know that that's over with, you know, but just, just try to try to get in that champions league position. It's going to be hard, but if anything, I feel like they should throw all of their chips into the champions league. You know, they should just roll the dice there. I mean, just, uh, and, and just try to stay alive in the Premier League, basically. Yeah, and that's all they can do at this point. Liverpool are not looking great. Right now I'm reading that Liverpool have lost six consecutive home league games, their longest ever run, while they are the first side to lose six in a row on home soil in the Premier League since Huddersfield Town in February of 2019. And they lost seven home leagues in a row, and Liverpool look like they're going to probably break that disappointing record, but... Another disappointing display from Liverpool. Hopefully they can bounce back. They do have lies big midweek in the Champions League, everyone. Make sure to catch that. Liverpool have a two-goal lead on lies big, and we will see if they can go through in that tie. The way they're playing right now, we will have to see. But the last uh, Premier League match we're going to review is the Chelsea versus Everton game. This match ended 2-0 to Chelsea. From a goal from an own goal from Ben Godfrey in the 31st minute, while a Jorginho penalty in the 65th minute. And man, let me tell you, this was a good game, especially for Kai Havertz. He started the match, and man, he looked very, very good. Uh, people were comparing him to Michael Ballack in his prime, but Kai Havertz did really well. Uh, the goal was actually supposed to go to him, but unfortunately, it took off a deflection off the Everton goalkeeper, which made it an own goal. And Kai Havertz actually won the penalty for Chelsea, but Jorginho decided to slide it in. And it was a good game from from Chelsea. Uh, Tuchel is still unbeaten. This actually extends his run ever since he's joined Chelsea to 11 matches unbeaten. And he has kept a lot of clean sheets. Just let me tell you the clean sheets he's, uh, he's kept. He's kept a clean sheet against Wolves, Burnley, Tottenham, uh, Barnsley in the FA Cup. Uh, Newcastle, uh, Atletico, Man United, Liverpool, and now Everton. Uh, pretty pretty impressive from Tucho and his uh, Chelsea side. But Everton, man, what a disappointing display from them. They're really trying to fight for that uh, spot in, the, in just a European spot. They're trying to get into the Europa League, Champions League. They have a chance of getting at both. Right now, Everton are in sixth place, which is a Europa League spot. But some of the stats involving this game, 19 shots for Chelsea compared to Everton seven on target. Chelsea had nine compared to Everton's one. Uh, Chelsea, ever since Tucho has come in, have dominated possession, 66% possession compared to Everton's 34. And Tucho gets the best of Ancelotti. Kevin, your thoughts on Chelsea versus Everton? I like uh, what Tucho has, um, has done um, with, the, with the team since he's come in. Uh, he's really gotten the pressure off of uh, Timo Werner and uh, Kai Havertz and Christian Pulisic and just letting them, you know, just being patient with them, knowing that uh, this is their first season and he can't expect a hat trick or, you know, every, every match. So um, he put this, he really got the, he got the light. He shined the light away from the star signings from this two hundred million dollar signings, you know, like uh, and he's done a real well of reconstructing uh my bad, reconstructing the the team, you know, from top from bottom to the top, you know. So he's got he's got the defense down now. Now he's got, you know, the, he's got the midfield down. Now he's working on his, you know, on the forwards. And I think uh, today was a good display that, you know, that's coming that that's coming. It's coming. More is coming, and they're working on it. Um, it's a sad loss for Everton. You know, honestly, I thought they were going to take this win, but it's so hard to beat uh, to beat Chelsea right now. It's really hard. Uh, another situ in another universe in another situation. If Tuchel would have taken Chelsea at the beginning of the season, I think we would have been looking at a totally different league table where maybe he would be contending with uh, Pep and Manchester city for that unbeaten streak, or maybe they'd be going one on, you know, be going one-on-one -on -one with Manchester United, Manchester city for that three, one for that first, second and third place, you know, who knows, but he's been very impressive and 
it's a shame that we couldn't have gotten him sooner, but he's here and, you know, he's making it happen and beating Ancelotti, man, that's, that's a huge milestone, you know, like he's been very hard to beat too this season as well. So um, it's sad that Everton lost, but congratulations to Chelsea. You know, they extend their unbeaten streak and I see him, I see him finishing uh, maybe third or second, you know, but because Manchester City is just so hard to beat right now. Um, kind of. I mean, we did see their Achilles <laughs> heel this weekend. Uh, but yeah, very impressive. Very impressive by Chelsea. Hedner, your your thoughts on the uh, Chelsea versus Everton game? Oh, I have to agree. I mean, uh, imagine if he would have come sooner. I think he probably would have been uh, up there trying to fight for the title, possibly, with the way Chelsea's playing right now since he came in. I mean, he's been unbeaten, uh, what, 11 games now? Yep, 11 games. So, I mean, he's on a good run, and who knows when it'll end. I mean, he's been doing very well. Um, like I said, he's just a, a a great coach. This is what an elite coach looks like, you know, uh, make an immediate impact, change the mentality of the players. He's giving them confidence. He's playing players that hadn't been playing under Lampard, um, Aspiri Puerta, Christensen. Those are leaders. Um, you know, Aspiri Puerta, especially because he's, he was a leader. Marcos Alonso, another leader of the dressing room. And look, he's uh, incorporated into the team and, and they've uh, responded well. Um, it's just a, a very, very good team. I'm, I don't know how uh, PSG let this guy go, man. I don't see. Uh, you know, any any problem that he's had so far adjusting to the Premier. So I'm surprised that PSG honestly if, uh, sacked him. Um, but, hey, one's mass trash, another man's treasure, and Chelsea got their treasure, man. I um, mean, he's giving confidence to Mason Mount as well. Kristen Pulisic, maybe he's not starting, but at least when he comes on, he has uh, some type of uh, impact. impact on the game. Um, he's just um, a very, very, very good coach, man. I, I'm really impressed with him. I, and you know what, man? His, the way he he uh, carries himself, his character, he's just he, – I, 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 you can't hate on him, really. You know what I mean? He may not be – Chelsea's not the team I go for at all or anything like that, but I have to admire the, 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 the coach and what he's done with the team, you know. Um, yeah, like I said before, I mean, imagine if he had, had, he had been there since the beginning of the – of the season, what where he would be right now, um, and as far as Everton go, you know it's an unfortunate, um, unfortunate result for them. Um, you know, I know they're trying to fight to get into those Champions League spots, uh, but against you know such a good you know team as Chelsea is at the moment, you know it's very hard to go and beat them, especially in their in their own uh, their own stadium. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, and uh, good for good for Tuchel for beating Ancelotti, like Kevin said. You know, it's that's a tough guy to beat. You know, tactically, but they got it done. So good for good for Chelsea. And very good for Chelsea indeed. Ever since Tuchel has joined Chelsea, they have only conceded two goals, which is pretty impressive from Chelsea. But Chelsea still fighting to get into that Champions League spot. And at the moment, Chelsea are in fourth place with 50 points, three points behind third place, Leicester City, and four points behind second place, Man United. But we're going to move on, ladies and gentlemen, to the next league. We're going to move on in Spain because we're also going to review the second derby that happened this weekend. And that is the Madrid derby between Atletico Madrid versus Real Madrid. This match ended 1-1 with the goal in the 15th minute from Luis Suarez. But just before the game ended, an 88th minute, Karim Benzema equalizes for Real, making it 1-1 at the end of the day. And some of the stats involving this game, 11 shots for Atletico compared to Real Madrid's 18. Five shots on target for Atletico compared to Real's 8. Real dominated possession, 61% possession for Real compared to Atletico's 39 and, man, this really puts a stint in Atletico's chance of winning La Liga title. But before we go on to that, uh, the question I want to ask you guys is, does that, does this game, does this result put unnecessary pressure on Diego Simeone and his side to win La Liga title? Kevin, let's start with you first. Yeah, I mean, I didn't. I never expected La Liga to end in January. You know, this is pretty much how it goes. Like from you go from, you know, being from first place, being at the very top, invincible, untouchable, 
to like watch it crumble. This always happens in the in La Liga when this ten point gap. Uh, this shit doesn't scare me. Like now we're looking at a very smaller gap. Um, Diego Simeone is he's under you know he's under a lot of pressure right now because uh, dropping the ball from ten points is huge, man. It's huge even for him. You know, like pretty much he just had to def- he had to defend every game and maybe get a you know a goal or two but no i don't know what's going on i don't know what's going on uh, maybe people have found their way to beat him or you know like upset him or something i i don't know i really don't know but he just like every game now he looks so like scared shitless you know like he's not even losing and he looks scared as shit you know but like <laughs> i would be i would be too you know uh, uh real madrid have really um crashed the party on many occasions for him and you know he i don't know why he thought one goal was gonna do it you know was gonna, <laughs> it never does against madrid against real madrid it never does man it never does uh but as far as you know the race for la liga it's on you know, they had to win this game and uh, the next couple of games aren't going to be easy uh, for, for Atletico Madrid. But we can't forget Real Madrid have to keep winning. Barcelona have to keep winning. You know, the it's sure, you know, it puts like um, it makes the, the gap a little shorter, but everyone else has to start winning, too. You know, everyone else has to has to um, really um, focus and uh, secure uh every 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 win for every match for the rest of the season if if they want to, if they want a chance to win the title but yeah it's on man it's on la liga's on it's been on yeah i like how you mentioned that that um you know barcelona and real they need to win every every game from now on to the end of the season but so does atletico and to tell you the truth i don't see that happening from my perspective henry what what do you think? Does does this result put unnecessary pressure on Diego Simeone? And do you think Simeone can win every game now from from here to the end of the season? I think Diego's going to put unnecessary pressure on himself and his team. Um, they were doing very well. Um, they had a 10-point lead, which they cut themselves, you could say. I'm not sure what happened um, between them getting that 10-point gap and now down to a uh, what a three point gap now. Um, I don't know if they lost confidence, they got overconfident, or they just don't know how to how can I say run the situation that they that they're in. Um, you're in first place, you're doing well, you're alive in, in two good competitions. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what happened in between that they dropped the ball. Um, and the problem is that that now they give the confidence you know, to the other two, which is Barca and Madrid. And it's not like they've had, you know, the greatest season, but they still are Barca and Madrid. And when you give them that type of confidence, you're making a mistake. You know, no matter if they're having a good season or not, you cannot give them that type of confidence. And this is what has happened now. And like Kevin said, yes, there is La Liga now. There is a title race now because now it's down to a three-point gap um, for Barca, four-point for Madrid. It's small. It's nothing. That's nothing of a gap. And Atletico has some tough games coming up. Obviously, they have that game in hand against uh, Atletico. Bilbao. Bilbao, mm-hmm. um, which is a tough game. They're a tough team. We know what they've done. We know in this season they, they beat Barca in the Supercopa final. Espanol. And then then they have two tough away games against Sevilla and, and Real Betis. And, like, and they actually have an away game again against Bilbao. So it's just... Tough, tough game, and obviously they have Barca as well away. So it it's like Ruben said in the last podcast. Depending on what happens, depending on what would happen in this Madrid derby, neither team can lose at all. Now it's just, especially now with this with this result, now every team has to be on high alert that they cannot lose because if one of them loses, depending on who loses, that could be that can mean the the championship. So. It's uh, they dropped the ball, man. If we're honestly, and I, and I had uh, been been uh, praising them, and and because they were playing well and they were doing well, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, um, Simeone has really dropped the ball, and that's and I said in, in an earlier podcast that 
even if he does win La Liga, I feel like it's time for him to go. It's time for him to say thank you and goodbye. I've done what I what I what I could do, and it's time to say goodbye. So yeah, it's just uh, they put unnecessary pressure on themselves. Well, can well I just wanted to ask you guys: Can they even win La Liga this season? I mean, it, it looks like I don't think, in my opinion, they're going to get through Chelsea in the Champions League. I think right now, and you're starting to see that Chelsea right now they're looking strong, they're looking good, and they're actually doing they're playing attacking football while also keeping clean sheets while Atletico. I mean, I just don't see them getting past Chelsea. And I honestly, I'm saying this right now, I don't think they're going to win La Liga title. I think after I mean, with the, you know, I mean, ten- with the with the style of play that they had, it can only take you so far. You know, I mean, we know that Davidsman has always had this style, defensive style. We know that. And, yes, it has given him some success over the years. But can it give you success every year and can you compete every year? You can give tough games to, to, to the top teams. I'm not saying you can't. But can you give them tough title races every season? I feel like you can't. The last time they won La Liga was back in 2014. So that just tells you that – that style, that defensive style of play, you can't compete with that every season. And now it's showing again. You know the the style that he has is is not is is not suited anymore for this for this club. It once was, but not anymore. And you have to change it up. You know, especially with the players that he has now. He has Luis Suarez, Joao Felix. I think if he had another coach at that at that team that was more offensive, like Tuchel. I think he would be able to exploit his talent even more. So, like I said before, I think it's time for uh, Diego Simeone to stay to take a step away from the club. Kevin, uh, for, me, for me, um, maybe them getting knocked out of the Champions League, which is looking like it's going to happen, maybe that would be a blessing in disguise for them. Maybe uh, we could be seeing a situation like Inter where – they don't have the pressure of competing in any other competition other than the City I right now, and they're riding high. Maybe that's what they need. Maybe they, um, maybe if the uh, if they do get knocked out of the Champions League, that will put you know they're they're full steam ahead in La Liga, and we could be seeing a totally different Atletico Madrid. But it's but, but, uh, it's but looking Kevin, ve- Kevin, it's looking Kevin. very unlikely though, man, because I've been saying that fucking style of football is fucking boring. On top of it being boring, it's not sufficient. It's not enough at all. Uh, it's not it's not at all it's not at all impressive. You can't win important titles like that. It, they can only get you so far. You know, like we've been saying that. So, um maybe maybe we could be seeing a different kind of uh, Atletico Madrid with them being knocked out of the Champions League. But Kevin, even even for me, it's Atletico Madrid, right? And we 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 see them as a big club, but do they see themselves as a big club? You know, obviously Barca and Madrid haven't had great seasons, but they are a big club because they try to compete for every single title, no matter what. They always try to compete for every single title. And I feel like if Atletico want to be considered at that level, they have to compete for every single title. And I feel like, like they haven't. So... I, I get what you're saying that maybe it could be the blessing in disguise from them getting knocked out, but they shouldn't be thinking that way. They should they should be competing in both competitions, and I think that's what is lacking at at, at Atletico Madrid. Maybe a uh, a big club mentality is what is lacking there because they should be competing for both. They shouldn't be they shouldn't be thinking oh if we get knocked out it could be a blessing in disguise. I don't feel like they should be thinking that way. They should they should be competing in both in both leagues. Yeah, but they haven't. They have never proven to to be able to do that. And I see what you mean. Like, they have to start thinking like a bigger club, right? And they started doing that when they were making these big signings, you know. But what's the point of doing these big signings or making these big club moves if you can't fucking handle it in the end? So maybe you're right. Maybe they do need – maybe Timiona needs to just walk away. You know, he's done enough for the club. I don't think he'd be walking away like – with his head, you know, with his head, you know, like, I think he'll be fine. You know, he did what he did. He pretty much he made Atletico Madrid what they are now. But 
they need to they need to they need to level up and i think the way they can level up is bringing a big manager to manage uh talent big talents like Joao Felix and you know someone that can handle it offensively you know because defensively we know that we know they they're the shit you know we know that they can they can defend the shit out of you know like they can they're like a python man they can suffocate you you know but offensively it's not there and i think that's what that's what they need maybe maybe an offensive coach but the question is now who can take on atletico madrid that's a hot seat and it is starting to look like a hot seat like you're mentioning they're like a python defense they can suffocate you but when it comes to attack they're just as dangerous as a little puppy and that is a worry for atletico but the match did end 1-1 and now there is a title race right now second place barcelona are three points behind atletico and real madrid are five points behind atletico and right now, I like to go do have that game in hand against Bill Bow, but I don't see them winning it. And right now, Bill Bow are riding high. Their last five matches, they're undefeated, uh, three draws and two wins for eighth place. Athletic Bill Bow and uh, Bill Bow are actually trying to find a way into that Europa League spot. So let's see if they can do it. But everyone, that is the Madrid Derby ends one one. And now we have a title race, and we're going to move on to the next La Liga match we're going to review, and that is Osasuna versus Barcelona. This match ended 2-0 for Barcelona. Jordi Alba scoring in the 30th minute from a wonderful assist from Messi and a wonderful goal from Jordi Alba. But in the 83rd minute, Barcelona youngster Islash Moriba scores his first goal, assisted by Messi. Wonderful goal outside the box with his left foot. And what a what a dream come true for the youngster. Uh, some of the stats regarding this game: uh, Osasuna had ten shots compared to Barcelona's thirteen. Osasuna had three shots on target compared to Barcelona's uh, six. Of course, Barcelona dominated possession, sixty-four percent possession compared to Osasuna's thirty-six. And it was a pretty good game for Barcelona. They got the win, and now they are three points behind first place. I'd like to go, Henry. Your thoughts on the Osasuna versus Barcelona game? Oh, a good win, um, you know, a, a much-needed win in order to keep the pressure on uh, Atletico Madrid. Um, I predicted it was going to be a 2-0. Um, from what I've been seeing in these past couple of games, uh, the Barca has been having, um, playing, you know, better than, than they have been in, in the past, you know, throughout this season. Um, and uh, Ronald Coleman keeping with the 4-1-4, I mean, a 3-1-4-2. Uh, lineup that he's been uh, implementing. Um, like I said, it's it's still not the tiki taka style or positional style that we uh, know Barca has played before, but it's um it's a lineup that can get you the wins and the results that you need, um, and that's what uh, Barca has been doing. Um, I feel like having Alba and, and Sergio Test uh, in the midfield has really helped them out a lot uh, with speed and and, and kind of. Not letting other other teams get you on the counter just because those two are so quick. Um, and Pedri, man, he's just he's still proving that he's a a, a player to watch out. I, I feel like between now and in five years, he will be one of the best midfielders in the world. All right, just uh, you know, really good, really good, uh, really good game. Obviously, uh, Moriva getting that uh, dream goal, getting assisted by Messi. Um, you know, good, good for the kid, man. Um, just an all-out good week for Barca. Um, not just at a sporting level, but at an institutional level. Obviously, they just uh, they just uh, announced that they that the new president is John Aporta coming in with uh, you know a lot a lot of motivation um, to change the situation around at Barca. So yeah, um, and obviously the uh, the result of their Madrid derby honestly benefited Barca a lot. You know, so now they're only three points behind. I mean, anything can happen at this point. You, they've had a bad season, but I mean, now they're only three points behind, and so this bad season can turn into something good. Possibly, they already they're they're in a Copa del Rey final, so we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, Kevin, your thoughts on the uh, Osasuna versus Barcelona game? I mean, I'm not impressed. This they should have they should have beaten them. Regardless, you know, one zero two zero, they won. Whippity do, you know, zippity do da. Uh, I just want to know. I actually, before I even say that, 
I got to give props to Ronald Coleman. All these fucking haters that were hating on him. Look at you now. This motherfucker got you to a final. This guy is now on the race to win La Liga title. After that loss, uh, after that loss against Sevilla, I mean, you guys are as low as they can get. You know, Barca was down. But then, you know, they they beat Sevilla. They came back, you know, now they're in the final. Congratulations to Ronald Coleman. Give it up to him. Now, if it weren't for him, you guys wouldn't be where you guys are at now. Say say what you will, but congratulations to him. I, I just want to know what the fuck is going to happen if this guy wins you a title because it's looking likely now. If this guy beats Henry. you, if this guy, if this guy gets you a Copa del Rey championship and a La Liga title, would you have to eat your words and keep Ronald Coleman? Henry, Henry, wants. before you answer that question, Henry, 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 I'm just going to say it. Thank you for proving us wrong. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I feel so dumbfounded. Thank you, Coleman. But go ahead, Henry. <laughs> Thank you for benefiting no, it's, me. <laughs> it's, it's what we want as, as a team. That's what we were. We wanted him to take a risk. That's what we wanted. You know, it wasn't about, you know, hating on him. We respect him because of the historic player that he was. I criticize him, yes, because he has not shown that he is a top-tier coach, and especially not one for Barca. And it's and honestly, for me, in my opinion, he still isn't because he still isn't implementing a style that I see that is a Barcelona style. Is, is he finally taking a risk and changing things up? Yes, that's all we were asking for. It was to see something different than what we've been seeing in these past couple of years. You know, i.e. with Valverde, with uh, with uh, Kiki Saitien, even with this Enrique, you know, it was just the same old boring shit. And it seemed to have continued with Ronald Coleman. And all we were asking for, especially after that PSG game, was take a risk and change something up. That's all we were asking. And he finally seems that he it, the message got through and he's changed something up. You know, so... If if he wants a title, great man. I'm I'm happy that I'm obviously I'd be yeah. happy if, if they want a title. There's nothing wrong with that. That means he mm. would prove me and 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 all of us who have uh, talked bad about him uh, wrong. So yeah, of course I would be happy. Um, there's nothing we wrong would with want. That, but, we would want nothing more for him to prove us wrong. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's all we that's want. We, we as Barca fans want to be proved wrong. And like I said before, I'm just. Finally, the man is taking a risk and changing things up. That's all I was asking for was something different. Change something up. You know, do I still feel like he is the coach for Barca? Absolutely not. And I'll keep that. I will always say that he for me, he is not the, the coach that will that that could take Barca to the long to the long haul. That's my opinion. He and he might prove me wrong, who knows. But uh right now the team is 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 doing good. They're they're connecting well. The harmony is good at the club. They feel confident. Obviously, they got a, a new president who's going to put a lot of motivation into them. And, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see with the with the Champions League. I feel, in my opinion, that they will uh, not, you know, win the tie. They could possibly win the game um, against PSG, but I feel like PSG will still go through. They won't win the tie. But if they win the game, that'll just give them more confidence in La Liga. I think, uh, with that being said, I think that um, – Barca should step away from that tiki taka shit for a while. Um, we, when you saw um, um, the era of Ronaldinho, right? Uh, Frank uh, Ricard's era, that was not tiki taka football. It got them not, you know, it wasn't the traditional Barcelona way, you know, but it gave room for the youngster for for them to build on their youngsters, you know, uh, for them to bring up their youth system. So maybe right now, maybe that's not the most convenient thing for Barcelona to do right now, to go back to that style. Maybe they need an era, a Frank, another Frank uh, Raycard uh, era so they can rebuild, you know. And maybe, I don't know uh, what all the noise is about this president. I don't really give a fuck about that. For me, it's about the players and the – and, you know, of course, the sense of direction and where you want your players to go and maybe he's going to bring that to the table. I don't know. I've never been one to be like, I need this president, you know, to to make this club what it is. But I think you guys need to step away from that for a while and then maybe come back to that era later on. 
Well, I think that's what the Madrid uh, people would want is for Barca to step away from that type of style that, you know, hurt them so much throughout the years. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's the Cruvista style. It's it's Cruyff. That has always have to be what, what Barca should implement and should be the uh, the philosophy. Is The Cruyff style should be the philosophy. They should not. And because of going away from that, is the reason that they are where they are now because they've gone away from Cruyff. They've gone away from Tiki Taka. They've gone away from their philosophy. Is That's the reason why they're in the situation they are now. You know, instead of, of keeping with that philosophy, they went away from it. And, and, and it has a lot to do with the way the, the club was run. I know you may not give a fuck because you're a Madrid fan. You don't know You don't know and understand the 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 history or the 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 story that's happened in these past ten years with these uh, so called presidents, you know they're uh, they that ruined the club, and uh, we finally have a president that's coming in that will bring in will bring back the Kuroi philosophy. Um, you know, I mean, for me, once they went away from once they started going away from that, that's why Barca is where they're at. I don't agree with what you're saying that they should go away from that. I don't believe that. I, I, I do not believe that because you see it at City. Guardiola has implemented that style and completely changed the, the mentality of the Premier League, of what a uh, top team could be and what they can do in England. I mean, they've even he's even revolutionized the, uh, the goalkeeping position. Whereas before in England, they... When it would come, when the ball would come to the goalie, he would just kick it out. Now, no. Now you see every single team wants a goalkeeper that knows how to play with their feet. Henry, because it just adds another. Player. If I had oil, oh, if oh. I had oil money, I would revolutionize an entire team as well. You have to look at it, Kevin, because and it's not has nothing to do with money. He, he has the money put. The, does the money change the philosophy? No. City were like any other typical uh, English uh, Premier League team. I United, you know, and they've changed. He's changed that. You see it, you know, now every single team, even United want players that know how to play with their feet, you know, so it's, it's a philosophy that Barson should have never gone away from. Unfortunately, they did. And this, this is where we are now. That's why we have the results against Roma, the results against uh, Liverpool. Liverpool, the results against Bayern, Bayern. You know, and now the result against PSG. PSG. So you see that obviously you guys you know, don't see it because you're a Madrid fan and, and you're biased because you're a Madrid fan possibly. But, you know, it's, it's, that is the truth, you know? So hopefully with this new president, with the new mentality, Barca can go back to that. It's, it's not me being biased. It's just, I don't see the young talent that Barcelona have produced over the years. They don't have an entire squad of talent to compete against these big clubs. I mean, can you really see them beating this young squad that they have now? They're, they're, the biggest players on that team right now, the biggest talents are the youngsters. Do you see these youngsters pushing through PSG? No. Like I said before, like I said before Kevin. You never said that. That's yeah, the, yeah that's, what I'm, that's what I'm getting that at, is, is that they don't have that right now. So why? Uh, no, I don't of think that. Don't. I don't, oh, that's why you can't go with the Tiki Taka because these guys don't know Tiki Taka. Oh my God. They don't, they don't know that. You know, Cruyff, oh this Cruyff idea of the Tiki Taka. They don't know that. So maybe you need to yes. step away from it for a while. Yes. That's yes, all I'm saying. Because, that's what I'm to yeah, say. yes, they do. Yeah, yes, but they what you're do saying is not working. But you're saying it's not working. No, hold up. Yes, they do because they came from the youth academy. So <laughs> that's where they learned it from. Missing the message so, here. You're completely missing the message. And I no, think the pro- you're the completely is, is, is this. misreading Look. the message. <laughs> Yeah, so the problem is, Kevin, that the they, they may not know, these new young players may not know the, the crew style. It's because, as I said again, the club as an institution went away from crufismo, went away from possessional. So they stopped teaching that at Barcelona these last 10 years. So how are they going to know? You know, so of course, right now, they have to work with what they've got. But the problem is, when, and I say it again, once they started going away from their philosophy, these are the results. And that's what I'm saying, that they needed a leader that could come in and, and, and bring back curifismo and bring back the philosophy. And you will see that. I promise you. I promise you Madrid will cry once again. I know that's what you want. And we will have to see. But we're going to move on to the last match 
in La Liga, and that is Gadis versus Abar, the relegation scrap. And this match ended 1-0 to Gadis, a goal in the 40th minute from Negredo. And what a wonderful game it was for Gadis. Abar actually missed the penalty in the second half. It was actually taken by their goalkeeper for some reason, and he missed it. But Gadis win 1-0 against Abar. The stats of this game show that Gadis had six shots compared to Ibar's uh, 16. Uh, Gadis had two shots on target compared to Abar's uh, one. Uh, Abar uh, dominated possession with 69% possession compared to Gadis 31. But this pushes Gadis out of that, you know, away from that relegation zone. And right now they are six points away from the relegation zone. While Abor they drop down in the relegation zone, especially with Elche beating Sevilla in over the weekend. And now it is it is looking likely that Gadis could survive uh, the drop. Kevin, your thoughts on the Gadis versus Abor game? Congratulations to Gadis for um, getting another win and stepping away from that uh, relegation zone um, that's looking like it's on their ass. But um, I think that, like I've been saying, you know, they're going to make it. They're going to stay in La Liga another season in La Liga. I think they um, they will bring in another player or two, hopefully, that can um, uh, bring, level up the team and, you know, possibly get them up to the top table. Um, they have sufficient enough talent, you know, to be in La Liga. I don't see them as a fucking as a second division team. You know, they're they're way past that already. And. You know, now they just got to prove it on the pitch. But, you know, congratulations to Gaddis for another win. Henry, your thoughts on the Gaddis or Zabar game? Congratulations to Gaddis. They're showing that Magico Gonzalez spirit. Um, obviously, Magico Gonzalez is very special to us, being Salvadorian, for those of you that don't know. Um, they're showing that Magico Gonzalez fighting spirit. I'm happy for them that they're getting out of that relegation zone. I want them to stay in the in the – in the top tier. So, yeah, congratulations to Kylie's man. Uh, another good game for them. Um, they've obviously had some struggles here and there, but, you know, they're, they're, I think they'll pull pull through this season and watch out for them next season. I think they'll, they can do something special in this club if they stay in La Primera. And yeah, hopefully they do. But, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move on. That actually ends for La Liga. And we're going to quickly go over, and I mean quickly because we're going to quickly go over uh, the Bundesliga, the third derby in that happened this weekend, the Klassik, the German classical, Bayern versus Dortmund. This match ended 4-2 to Bayern. Uh, Dortmund actually scored two goals under 10 minutes with uh, Holland scoring in second and ninth minute. But just before the end of the first half, uh, Byron managed to equalize a goal from Lewandowski in the 26th and a penalty in the 44th. And after that, uh, during the first few minutes of the second half, Holland was taken off and that Byron just decided to pounce on that. In the 88th minute, Leon Goretzka made it 3-2. But after that, in the 90th minute, Lewandowski managed to finish off his hat trick, which means 4-2-2 Byron. Dortmund, very disappointing in this game, started off real strong, but defensively, they just could not hold it down. Some of the stats behind this game is uh, Bayern had 27 shots compared to Dortmund's four, nine shots on target for Bayern compared to Dortmund's three. Bayern dominated possession, 66% possession to Dortmund's 34. And actually, Dortmund actually had to play this game without Jaden Sancho and Gio Reyna, which is pretty uh, bad for them. They started off the game well, but... They just could not finish off the match with a win, which pushes in the Bundesliga for Bayern. There's still two points on top of Leisbig. Leisbig won this weekend against Freiburg. Dortmund still struggling to get into that Champions League spot. As it stands right now, they are four points away from fourth place, Eintracht Frankfurt. And now Bayer Leverkusen is on top of Dortmund uh, in fifth place with 40 points, while Dortmund's in sixth with 39 and, man, you guys, Kevin, let's start off with you. Your thoughts on the uh, Bayern versus Dortmund game. I, I don't think that Borussia Dortmund came in thinking that they were going to be two up right before the 20th minute. <laughs> I think that they went in expecting, you know, to have their backs against the wall the entire time. Um, and then when they weren't, you know, I just don't think that uh, they knew how to handle it. I don't I don't think they – it caught them off guard, you know. Like, it, instead of stunning Bayern Munich, it stunned them, you know. And – Instead of pushing for that third goal, they 
you know, they kind of just drop back, you know, and you can't do that against Bayern Munich, man. You can't give them any breathing space. And the result speaks for itself, you know. Bayern Munich are, they have so much depth. They're, there's no weak side in fucking, in Bayern Munich. They were playing with Shula on the right. Come on, man. What does that say? You know, even Shula, even Shula's getting up there and giving you crosses. That's not good. That is not good. Um, But props to Borussia Dortmund for, you know, getting that lead because uh, like uh, you were saying, they did have some key players missing like Jaden Sancho and Gio Reyna. I think we would have been seeing a totally different match if those kids would have been in, in the pitch. I think they would have made that third goal, if not even more. You know, I think we could have been seeing a win, but. You know, they it sucks. It sucks and it hurts, you know, but um Bayern Munich are you know, they, they better be careful, man. They can't they can't be uh they can't be in be embarrassed in that fashion, you know. They they really uh they they were looking very weak, very weak against Borussia Dortmund in those uh in that first half. But um they turned it up, man. And uh maybe this is a page that everybody that's gonna be playing against Bayern Munich and take away, you know, from this match. You know, hit them, hit them hard, hit them first, hit them hard, and finish them off. Because if if you don't, a two nil lead is not gonna do it. <laughs> two that zero. Is that is true. Henry, your your thoughts on the uh, De Classic this weekend? Well, I think that Bayern wasn't expecting for uh, Borussia to come out, you know, the way they did, you know, and get a uh, 2-0 uh, lead so quickly. Um, and Borussia Dortmund, you know, I feel like the same thing. I think, like Kevin said before, I don't think they didn't expect it either. So it was a bit of a surprise on both sides. Um, and again, Holland, man, just showing that uh, he is a future um, best in the world number nine in that number nine position. Um you know, scoring some uh, really good goals, especially that first one was a really good goal from outside the box. Um, but unfortunately, like Kevin said, they were missing some key players, uh, Jaden Sancho and Gio Reyna, obviously Jaden Sancho being their other main uh, their other main uh, player. Um, and, and it seemed that Bayern uh, just, you know, they, they struggled a little bit. And then, like Kev said, they turned it up, which obviously a team as stacked as Bayern um, will, you know, and... Um, they they seem to have figured out that once once they could uh, kind of control Holland, that they control Dortmund. And obviously that became more evident in the second half when Holland came off due to a, a bit of an injury. Um, nothing serious, obviously, but um, it, it was all Bayern after that. Um, yeah, they, they could do nothing. Dortmund could do nothing to the wave of Bayern. So, yeah, I mean, Bayern, again, proving that they are the team to beat um, in the Bundesliga and in the world. Um, this just gives them even more confidence um, for the Champions League. Um, and, you know, Borussia Dortmund have to try to pick it up. Uh, it's obviously a hard loss against Bayern. Try to pick it up and then keep going. They have a Champions League, uh, you know, coming up. So get that win and keep going there. Um, and hopefully try to try to get into those Champions League spots for next season. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Dortmund have uh, Sevilla in the Champions League midweek. Right now, Dortmund have a 3-2 lead over Sevilla, and we'll have to see if Dortmund can go through uh, the way they're defending. I have no idea, but we will have to see. But quickly, we're going to move on to uh, to Italy. That was it for uh, the Classic and the Bundesliga. We're going to move on to Italy and City A. We're going to quickly go over the matches that happened. And the first one that happened was uh, Juve versus Lazio. This match ended 3-1 to Juve. Wonderful game this was. Uh, Ronaldo did actually not start this match. Maybe it is due to uh, the Champions League game they have midweek against Porto, which they are 2-1 down. But Ronaldo did not start this match. But at first, it looked like they were missing him. But in the end, they didn't. Because in the 14th minute, Lazio took the lead. Joaquin Carrera uh, scored a goal. But uh, just before the end of the first half, Rabio in the 39th minute scored a fantastic goal for Juve, leveling it up. But at the start of the uh, second half, Morata scores a brilliant goal in the 57th minute. And in the 60th minute, he scores a penalty, which ends the game 3-1 to Juve. Uh, some of the stats behind this game, Juve had seven shots compared to Lazio's 15. Five were on target for Juve compared to Lazio's four. Juve dominated possession, 53% possession compared to Lazio's 47. And this puts uh, Juve still in third place in Serie A. Four points behind second place Milan and 10 points behind first place Inter Milan. Uh, 
And the next match we're going to go after that is the Hellas Verona versus AC Milan game. This match ended 2-0 for AC Milan. Uh, the goals scored by this uh, match were uh, Grunich in the 27th minute, brilliant free kick by him. And in the 50th minute, Diego Dalot scored his first goal for Milan since he's joined on loan from United. And some of the stats behind this game, both teams were even on shots, both 11 on target. Milan had three compared to Hellas Verona's one. Uh, Hellas Verona dominated in possession, 54% possession compared to Milan's 46 and surprisingly, I mean, uh, Liao started for AC Milan. There is no Ibrahimovic at the moment due to injury. And it was a pretty good game for Milan. They're still trying to put pressure on first place Inter Milan. At the moment, it just stands at six points. But Inter Milan did go against uh, Atalanta this weekend. And they narrowly beat Atalanta Inter Milan 1-0, a 54th-minute goal from Scrunier. Uh, the Croatian defender, uh, which uh, puts uh, Inter Milan still on top. They're still in the last five games. They they won all five. And some of the stats behind this game, five shots for Inter compared to Atalanta's 13. Inter had one shot on target, which was the goal that they made, while Atalanta had three. Atalanta dominated possession, 56% possession compared to Inter Milan's 44. And that, ladies and gentlemen, ends the match review Monday. Uh, some exciting results happening over the weekend in England, Spain, Germany, and Italy. Some exciting games, exciting results, some exciting title races happening all across those leagues. And we will see how it goes. But I would just like to thank everyone for listening in. I would also like to thank Henry for joining me and Kevin for joining me in today's episode. It was a really great episode. And we will see you guys in the next one. Please stay safe, stay healthy, wear your mask. And we will see you guys next time. Well, that concludes another episode of the 12th Man Podcast and the latest addition to Match Review Monday. If this is your first time listening to us, again, please refer to our latest episode for the latest news in the football world. Uh, we also like to remind you that we are on all podcast platforms. We'd also like to remind you that we are on Instagram and soon to be on Facebook. Uh, it is the 12th Man Podcast. You can reach us there at any time. Um, if you'd like to leave us a comment or leave us a review or just stop by and say hello, please follow us there. Please share. Please subscribe. And with that being said, happy Monday. Happy Women's International Day. Thank you to all the lovely women in the world and in our lives. Uh, you've shaped the world into what it is today. Without you, we'd be nothing. Please uh, follow us back uh, for our episode on Wednesday where we're going to review the Champions League games that are going to happen on uh, tomorrow, which is Tuesday, and the next day, Wednesday. Can Barcelona bring it back against PSG? For my sake, I hope not. I will not hear the end of it. And that concludes today's episode. Stay safe. Bye-bye.